This is a six sports talk with Brett Black and Jane Jones talking all things Toronto sports. This episode, we break down the Toronto Raptors and the perfect weekend they had against the Charlotte Hornets and Dallas Mavericks. But first, we're going to chat puck and look at the Toronto Maple Leafs opening weekend for the National Hockey League season and feature the Toronto Six and hype up their first ever season starting this Saturday for the National Women's Hockey League. This is the Six Sports Talk. All right, Jaden, very busy week with hockey. We are officially uh, one week into the National Hockey League season. But before we talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they got up to last weekend, I think it's important that we talk about the Toronto Six and the National Women's Hockey League getting kicked off this weekend in their bubble. Now, I need to apologize, first off, because in the past weeks, I've been saying I'm not sure what they're doing with their season. I'm not sure exactly uh, how it's working, because at first it sounded like they were trying to do everyone was playing in their home arena obviously that's not the case with the borders still being closed and whatnot but they're officially doing a bubble in lake placid new york at herb brooks arena in lake placid where uh, all the games will be played pretty straightforward if you're trying to follow along with the season uh each team will play each other once the top four teams will then move on into uh semi-finals and then the winners of that into the championship the toronto six they officially start their season this Saturday at 1 o'clock against the Metropolitan Riveteers. And overall, I've, I've been trying to figure out where the Toronto Six is going to land. I've tried to study the roster a little bit. I've tried to compare it a little bit. And uh, there's one thing I want to get into with the media coverage of this tournament uh, in a second. But what are you expecting we'll see from the Toronto Six uh, starting this Saturday? I mean, I think it's going to be a really exciting matchup because, one, it's it's a brand-new franchise. I, I know I've seen all over social media that the ladies are excited, the the fans are excited. I think they're going to come out flying, and I'm sure they're going to be really motivated to get the, to get the big W. And I know, uh, like you said, you tried to research some of the players, and, and, and I did the same thing. And just looking right now, Samantha Ridgewell, who's supposed to be uh, a very, very elite goaltender for the Toronto Six, Last season had a, a 2.03 goals against average and a 9.20 save percentage over 22 games. And I know their their other goalie as well, which is Elaine Truly, is also a very very highly touted player. So I mean, both goalies are going to play exceptional no matter who they are, uh, no matter who they decide to start. Defensively, they have a very experienced uh, group of ladies that are going to be playing and, and up front, too. It's, it's just going to be an exciting game, and, and, and I'm excited to tune in for it. The one thing I will say about the Toronto Six is that, reasonably, they're a very young team. Um, a lot of the players have gone on to play college hockey, obviously, and are, uh, are, are you're, you know, they're our age. They're 23, 24. But still, in comparison to a lot of other rosters within the National Women's Hockey League, uh, it's still a very young squad, but a lot of talent. I've heard a lot of good things about Sarah Steele, who uh, who's on defense there. Um, Tatum Claremont, I've heard a few things come up about her, how she's a solid player. Uh, Amy Curlew, and uh, as well as Megan Quinn. The one thing that I'm going to say about kind of the coverage that I've seen through uh, both Bell Media being TSN and Rogers being Sportsnet is that no one has bothered to really give any coverage about the National Women's Hockey League or even show that much support for the Toronto Six. 
And I gotta say, it's really frustrating from a point where we saw a league like the Canadian Women's Hockey League that just towards the end of uh, its lifespan, right before they called it quits, um, Sportsnet kind of jumped on the bandwagon a little bit to, to show some games, but not all. But with, with this upcoming tournament, I haven't heard a peep from anybody. Yeah, for sure. It's been, it, like you said, it's been extremely frustrating because guys like us who, who love sports, who love hockey uh, in particular, we, we really want to support men's, women's, and, and strictly Canadian sports. And uh, two guys that have been around and, and lived in Toronto, we are very passionate about Toronto sports. That's why we're, we're doing this podcast. So for, for people not to seem like they, they care about it and not giving it the respect it deserves it's it's very disheartening and and it's it, it makes me very upset to to not see any coverage being uh being given to these ladies i think the worst part that i've seen about this is that i think i've seen more support and more coverage of this upcoming tournament and the team through the brampton beast because uh, one of their former head coaches is the head coach now for the toronto six and they have been all over it on social media showing support and, and whatnot. But I think it's, I don't want to say it's sad, but it's rough to see the fact that an ECHL pro hockey team is showing more support and love and actually showcasing what's going on than any of the media partners for this team or that so-called cover the city of Toronto sports. It's sad to me. I know that a couple of years ago, there was a big talk about how we want to encourage more females to enter the world of sport, how we want to showcase more female talent. But then you have a league that's actually trying to do that. And it's like, where are you? Like, I, I get there's lots of things going on right now, but I think you could spare at least 10 minutes to talk about the tournament, showcase the team a little bit, and at least give a little bit of backstory. Like, like show that it matters and at least put some effort into it. That That's kind of my key thing about... Uh, coming from a media background is that two years ago you're showing games of a league that no longer exists like that's that's a joke but I, I will stop from there uh, overall I'm excited to see how the Toronto Six does uh, obviously with this being a new team and a lot of players just getting to know each other over the last couple of months should be interesting it looks like there's a solid team I think it's going to be competitive and if you want to show your support to the Toronto Six and their first ever game you can go ahead and tune in this Saturday at 1 o'clock as they take on, again, the Metropolitan Riveteers, which I believe is uh, the New York, New Jersey team. Uh, I might have to double-check that one. But if you want to watch, it's on Twitch. If you don't know what Twitch is, get your kids to show you what it is or, like, just Google it. Like, it'll pop up right away. Uh, and all the games are through there, and it's actually uh, it's really good quality. And from someone that actually has watched other sports through Twitch... Uh, I don't mind it at all. So, again, 1 o'clock this Saturday. Uh, Toronto 6 taking on the Metropolitan Riveteers. First ever game for the Toronto 6 Sugar Sport. And again, that's at 1. Uh, we're going to jump over now into the Toronto Maple Leafs. Or as I've called my fantasy team, the Toronto Maple Laughs. Uh, all jokes aside though, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they actually looked really good in their opening weekend. Uh, the first game against Montreal, went into overtime, and 5-4 win there. They then went into Ottawa, lost, I think it was 5-3 off the top of my head. Uh, kind of yeah. some concerns popped up when I was watching the Leafs, especially Brody, who they signed to a four-year contract. Uh, just kind of looking out of it, 
Also, a theme of players not being able to hold their sticks. The amount of times I saw a Leafs player without a stick or they went to a box for high sticking was ridiculous. But then they came back the next night, took on the Suns again, and uh, they looked much better, a lot more tighter hockey. And then we're in Winnipeg the other night where they won 3-1. Overall, I wouldn't say the best hockey, but I think we're seeing um, some promise, especially when there was really no preseason for the Toronto Maple Leafs. For sure, and for me, my my early season viewings and, and what I've seen so far from the team is that um, they're still getting their legs out from under them. I mean, uh, they are an older team. They do have some young young guys on the team, but for the most part, it's made a, it's a, it's a veteran squad, right? So, I mean, you got guys like Joe Thornton, uh, Jason Svetza, who got waived and then um, rejoined the team. You, you have these guys, Wayne Simmons, Zach Bogosian, all these guys that are a bit older, teaching these young guys how it's done. And you've seen that um, precisely when Joe Thornton scored his first goal as a Maple Leaf uh, third game in versus Ottawa, which was uh, which was an absolute beauty. So the, the couple people that have really impressed me have been uh, Mitch Marner, Joe Thornton, and uh, John Tavares as well. John Tavares looked dangerous in that Ottawa and Winnipeg game. Very, very aggressive taking a lot more shots than he did last year. looks like he might have a bigger role uh, this year on this Leafs team because, I mean, he, every time he, he got the puck, and I, and, and I remember specifically because um, he took it end-to-end sometimes uh, where you wouldn't see him do that last year. He would just pass it off. But these past couple games have been have been really good. Mitch Marner putting some, some points up on the board, John Tavares being aggressive, getting some, some early goals, and, and Austin Matthews, like always, just being the young stud that he is. If you were to tell me while while watching uh, the games that uh, with uh, Matthews, Marner, and Thornton, if you were to tell me Joe Thornton was 42, I, I wouldn't believe you because he fits in so perfectly on that top line. I know before when they were asking about, you know, would he be able to, to stay and play with some of these young guys and obviously how fast Matthews and Marner is, he doesn't look like he's out of place. It looks like he belongs right there on the first line and exactly someone that they needed that is someone respected in the league, but also a bigger body that can help, you know, not play bully hockey, but can definitely chip in with uh, the grittiness and and really give, I would say, Marner some space. Because I think the last couple of years, they tried it with Hyman, and it kind of worked, it kind of didn't. But with Thornton, he definitely gives both Matthews and Marner that extra little bit of space to do what they need to do. Yeah, and it's awesome to see and the Leafs' top five guys, which is Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, and Thornton. I mean, that's dangerous right there. If Thornton, Matthews, and Marner aren't really clicking one game, all right, Thornton, we're dropping you down to second line. Tavares, you're, you're hopping back up with the big boys. Let's see if we can get something going. They did that a couple times last year. Uh, it worked out for them sometimes, and, and other times it didn't. But overall, they have a very versatile one and two lines. And uh, let me get your thoughts on this one. What have you thought of Wayne Simmons so far this season? Uh, from what I've seen from him, I've actually really liked it. He's he's not, obviously, I know when some people think about Wayne Simmons, he thinks they, you'll think back to when he was playing in Philadelphia. He had that top six role. It was, I think, it was him, uh, Drew, and, uh, oh my God, who was, there's, there's three of them on the top line. And they basically ran Philadelphia for a bit. And uh, it was great hockey. Borchek, 
I think it was Warcheck. I'm I'm thinking back like ten years right now, but basically, oh, uh, Dan- Daniel Breer. Maybe maybe it was Breer. Uh, anyway, but I just remember him back in Philly and that uh, just being like the strong player that was top six, uh, could score, could hit, whatever you needed him to do, he could do. But as he's aged, definitely step back a little bit from being in the top six role. Right now, the Leafs have him playing as, a, I think, a top nine on the third line there. I think he's been perfect. He's exactly what the Leafs kind of needed with that grit, but also leadership to kind of help show some of the younger guys how to play, I think, as well, he he just fits in. Like, when I was watching the Toronto against the Ottawa game, he gave them a little bit of life, uh, especially in some of the scrums that we saw. Uh, he wasn't stepping back from anybody. And where If you were to look at the Leafs probably a year ago, and, you know, things started to pop off, guaranteed, all the, like, nobody would be there to step up for each other. They all kind of step back. Maybe Morgan Riley, but other than that, there's nobody that would really be in there like fighting and and really like not trying to stir up trouble but like standing up for each other and I think that with uh that Simmons has really stepped into that role of being like hey guys you're brothers like like watch out for each other stand up for each other don't back down throughout the season I might even mix him up in the in the second and third line to see what he can do and and in that case if if someone either has a big hit on on one of the big boys, he can he's right there to step in there and, and take care of it because he knows what his role is. He's there to protect the big guys, to get in fights, get get the boys going, and bring a little toughness to the lineup, which he has done so far this season. So, I mean, I, I've loved it, and I hope he keeps doing it because he's doing a fantastic job in making the game so much more entertaining. I, I do want to make clear, though, that when we're talking about this, uh, Wayne Simmons, I don't want him in an enforcer role that's not what i want from him right now he's playing as a power forward which they exactly need um but i think when some people i was just thinking about this but if some people are like watching and they might be like oh he's like an enforcer not exactly he's he's a gritty power forward that gives a little bit of size and a lot of grit for where they need it and within the top nine so i just thought i'd clarify there because i know like people kind of compared him to Ryan Reeves a little bit on Vegas and kind of the role he has, but I would say the roles between Reeves and Simmons is is completely different. I think I, I disagree with you on that one. I believe that it is different, yes, but there there's a fine line. So, I mean, obviously, to me, I think Wayne Simmons overall is a much more skilled player that can put the puck in the back of the net a hell of a lot more than Ryan Reeves can. But, I mean... I think he's he's for the for the Leafs in this situation. To me, he's not a power forward. To me, he's he's an enforcer. His job there is to bring physicality. His job isn't to to score goals and make plays. To me, anyways, from what I've seen so far, they they, they want him to to make the big plays physically and to, to really get under the skin of some of the other team. Absolutely. One thing that we'll uh, talk about with Simmons in the third line is that Nick Robertson, he got his first uh, game in, first official NHL action on Friday night against Ottawa Senators. Didn't last too long. He played a total of two minutes and then uh, got hurt. He's expected to be out for about a month. Do you see this hurting the roster at all for for the Maple Leafs or do you think that they're still going to be okay and that it's uh, like, Obviously, they have Mikheyev, who is who's perfect on the third line. They have Hyman that they've been using. I like Robertson. He's a young. He's I think only twenty years old right now. Um, but 
a little bit of a blow to the Leafs nonetheless. Overall, no, I don't think that'll it'll hurt them that much. It'll only hurt his development because you want to see him out there getting those those minutes, those reps with the big squad, right? He, you don't want to see him sitting around on the taxi squad only practicing. So the only reason why I feel like it's a bad thing is, is for his development. Other than that, they have a solid team. I mean, the Leafs forwards are... They have a lot of depth on their team that can, where any line, any night can pop off, right? So the only thing that's upsetting is that he has to sit out for a month and uh, and rehab this injury. Other than that, I think that when he gets back, he'll be he'll be put into the exact same role, and, and hopefully he can uh, really find his stride then. The Toronto Maple Leafs currently set three and one at the time of this podcast. Uh, tonight on Wednesday, they're taking on the Edmonton Oilers for one and three. They'll then welcome the Oilers back to Scotiabank Arena to take them on Friday night at 7 p.m. And then afterwards, we'll take on the Calgary Flames Sunday at four. Um, before we actually move on, uh, we're going to talk about the Raptors in a second. Um, this is something I wanted to talk about a little bit off the cuff. But uh, when I was watching the Ottawa Senators game, um, I felt a little bit conflicted of being a Leafs fan. But also, I couldn't help but cheer a little bit for the Sens. And I remember even asking you this as well. But I'm like, should I be a Toronto fan or should I be an Ottawa fan? Um, and this, I think, is a really good example of something that the Senators has done well. That I think maybe some other teams could possibly look at doing. Uh, in terms of not only developing players, but helping grow a fan base as well. Um... As some people know, if you follow me on my personal Twitter at TheBrettBlack, uh, I follow the Brampton Beast, which is the ECHL team for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, with us both uh, living and uh, being in Belleville at one point in our lives, um, they now have the Belleville Senators. And I can't tell you how many players on the current Ottawa Senators roster has actually has moved through Belleville that i got to watch develop and train over the last three years. It's kind of hard not to cheer for Ottawa and be a fan of them. And I want to say just in terms of, at least for hockey and what we've seen with Canadian sports, the Senators has to be like the last franchise in terms of fan support. Maybe not fan support, but in terms of getting fans and really being a mentionable team. And I think they've done a really good job of carving out their own fan base in Belleville and kind of out towards Kingston and Eastern Ontario by having their AHL team there, and as well as even developing some fans here in Toronto with have or well I shouldn't say Toronto but the GTA with the Brampton Beast. And overall, I want to say that the Sens, by doing that, have actually, I would say, created more fans and taking away a little bit from Toronto. Overall, I just wanted to say that I thought it was like very interesting how that came up. And overall, as a team that was looking like trash in terms of fan support. And whatnot. I think they've did, done it the perfect way of of building, uh, I'll call them secret fans, by just having a player that you get to watch develop and train in the ECHL. All of a sudden, you see him jump to the AHL. And then all of a sudden, he's now on the NHL roster. Uh, of course, by this, I'm talking about Joy Decord and uh, Aspero, who uh, is on the taxi squad. I don't know if you want to add to that. I know that was out of the blue, but I just wanted to kind of give a quick shout out there because I think that uh, the Ottawa Senators, this is one thing I've actually think they've done really well, very quietly over the last three to four years. 
Yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty interesting. I still think that um, they won't get more fans in until they do two things: get rid of their owner because he's been a clown ever since he's come into the league, and move that arena uh, closer to downtown because. You hear it all the time. You hear it from ex-players. You hear it from current players. It's too far. There's nowhere to go afterward. It's too far for fans to travel. And it is a complete shit show getting out of the arena after the game. So, to me, that's when they'll gain more fans, when they can bring that arena closer to the downtown core and to closer to, to the city of Ottawa and also get rid of the owner. Um, right now, Ottawa Senators are top, top three maybe top five worst-run uh, organizations in sports. But with that being said, it is super cool because uh, personally, as you know, I used to work for the Belleville Senators, which, like you mentioned, the AHL team. And seeing these guys light it up now in the NHL has been uh, it's, it's been pretty cool, I'm not going to lie. So seeing guys like Drake Batherson, seeing guys like Josh Norris, Nick Paul, scoring in the NHL, it's... it's <laughs> It's cool to see. Also, Thomas Shabbat and Christian Willenin, too, lit it up in Belleville and have earned the chance to uh, to go p- uh, play with the big boys. So, yeah, it's pretty cool, but they're still, uh, they still haven't reached that, that peak point as a organization yet. We are, just to remind people, the six sports talk, talking everything Toronto sports, but you got to understand that both of us have a soft spot in our hearts for Belleville and apparently the Ottawa Senators. So I just wanted to throw that out there as a quick kind of uh, thing about growing a fan base and really drawing people in. So shout out to them for that because that's perfect marketing. Uh, Coming up in a second, we're going to be talking about the Toronto Raptors and what they need to do moving forward to actually compete. That's coming up in just a second. All right, time to talk to some balls, specifically the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I would say they've had a very strong three games since we've last talked, uh, beating Charlotte in both their games, and then on Monday night, beating the Dallas Mavericks, a little bit more of a challenging team, and, and seeing a lot of bright spots uh, with the Stanimal, as apparently he's being called now. Literally, this guy came out of nowhere this season, and when he was kind of put in the lineup, kind of had a lot of people scratching their heads, but now that he's there, he was guarding... Uh, I think Luca for most of the game, and he he looked good. Like he looked like he wasn't afraid. He wasn't shook by covering an all star, and looked very strong. And then Chris Boucher has just continued to dominate this season in terms of of growth. He's been consistent. He's done and anything they've wanted him to do, he's done. And uh, overall, probably the best sleeper pick in fantasy if you happen to pick him up. Jaden, what have you enjoyed about the Toronto Raptors and, and things you've liked the last three games? Well, what's really been exciting has been the Raptors bench. You remember a couple of years ago when the whole thing was bench mob, when you had Van Vliet coming off the bench, you had Siakam, you had Ananobi, you had all these guys coming off the bench um, and making big plays and, and really getting the crowd fired up. Now, as we know, since how it's COVID, there's no fans in the building, but there's a new bench mob in town and it consists of Stanley Johnson, Chris Boucher, Matt Thomas, all these guys that are, that are coming in off the, off the bench. Norman Powell too. Can't forget him. These guys are really playing with a lot of heart and you, and you can see it in every single play. They're making sure it's the little things. It's the little technical things that are 
that are really driving them to excellence right now, and that is playing good defense, boxing out, grabbing rebounds, and really playing with that swagger that I believe it was Kyle Lowry had mentioned a couple games ago when they are on that losing streak, and he said, you know what, we just don't have the swagger right now. And you know what, after this three-game winning streak, it, it, it might be back. It, it might be back. They're playing like it, and they have these up uh, next two games against the Miami Heat, both winnable games. Uh, Jimmy Butler's out for both of them, but that Miami Heat team, they got a bunch of young dogs on there, so it's going to be tough. It's going to be... Um, it's going to be a battle, but if the Raptors win these past three games, it, it, it should be it should be fine. They should be fine. What's got me about the Eastern Conference is that I didn't realize how tight it was. Uh, I know at the beginning of the year, the Raptors went on, uh, they looked rough, to, to say the least. I think they lost, what, like three in a row or something? And then they had the one win, and then basically it hasn't really worked out for them. Uh, should be a lot closer, honestly, in stats, but... When you look at the standings right now, the Raptors currently sit in 13th, but they're not too far behind Atlanta, who's currently sitting in 8th. And even with some of the teams that are with them, like you have the Miami Heat, who are sitting in 12th, who realistically, I feel like they should be in the playoffs. I have them as like finishing top 4. Um, but when, when you look at the Eastern Conference, and you now kind of look at this roster, we knew the Toronto Raptors they're going to be competitive this year. And it was frustrating trying to see, like, them trying to work through those kinks and the, and, and figuring out what the right lineup is. But I feel like they, they've now really solidified, like, Boucher's their number one center, and they've got the lineup they need. You can see the chemistry there better. Uh, what do you, what what's missing for them right now from truly being able to get into the playoff spot and, and can get on a winning side? Well, let me just back up for a second and say I don't think right now they're playing Boucher as their true center. They're still playing Baines an awful lot. I think that they're going to end up moving him. Um, and in one place I'd look would be Cleveland. They have an overload of centers right now. They have Jared Allen. They have Kevin Love. Uh, they have JaVale McGee. And they have Andre Drummond. So, I mean, I might look at getting a, a JaVale McGee, maybe a one-for-one one with Aaron Baines. Who knows? But... To me, the thing that they do need is another center. Someone that is athletic. They don't need him to shoot the three. They have Boucher for that. But someone that just does the dirty work. Someone like a Bismack Biombo that we had a few years ago that gets the rebounds, that kicks it out, that makes the right play, that plays excellent defense, holds down the paint, and that can either start or come off the bench, which I think uh, a JaVale McGee would be perfect for that. He showed that he is he's capable of a starting center role when he was with L.A., when he went with the Lakers, and even before that with the Warriors. So, to me, go get yourself a true center, someone that's been in this league for a while, has won a ring, got that championship experience just like most of the other Raptors do, and that's able to fit in quickly with a culture that means business and is ready to play every single night. I'll disagree with you a little bit on one thing, and well, actually not disagree, but I might tweak it a little bit. I know a couple of days ago we were talking about how with Boucher, the way he's been playing, it was kind of, we weren't really sure what to expect of him before the season started, but he's kind of proved everybody wrong, and he's stuck around, and he's kind of showed that he does deserve to be a starter, he deserves to be getting minutes. So we kind of talked about maybe you take someone that they signed in the offseason like Len who they just actually waived on Monday, so this wouldn't work anyway. But taking someone that, you know, 
was kind of signed just because they're like, hey, we might need this guy. And then taking someone, say, like Matt Thomas, who is a good player, who definitely deserves to be getting minutes. But because of the squad right now and what the Raptors are doing by just really playing eight guys, send him somewhere where he could be a starter. Send him somewhere out west that, you know, they could use that that distraction when he's on the floor because he's so solid from the three-point that, like, like let him move on with his career because right now with the Raptors, he just doesn't fit into that squad. But pick up someone that is that, like, power forward to, to help them get big because we know the Raptors, for the last little bit, they've looked best when they're playing small ball. But I feel like if they can just find that one piece that's a forward, let Boucher play center, let Baines kind of come in when they need him to play a little bit bigger, but find that forward just to, they're, they're a very guard-heavy team. So looking at trying to find that that power forward or that small forward that could fit in. I like OG Ananobi, but to me, I wouldn't put him as a starter. I think for me, he's still coming off the bench. I know he's been getting a lot of minutes, but I think the Raptors need to find that that forward to, to make it work. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can agree to, to disagree on that one. I, I, I think that... Uh, and let me go back on something, though. Matt Thomas, I think that there's a nagging injury with him because he hasn't really been getting a lot of minutes, even though after the first four or five games, when he was coming into the game, he was playing lights out. So I think that there might be, like, a nagging injury that he still hasn't fully recovered from. So hopefully we'll see him more out. Yuto Watanabe has been unbelievable. I love him. He's a great defensive player, can shoot the three. Um He's been he's been lights out. He's been definitely a sleeper on the Raptor. That that'll be a fan favorite once uh, once he gets more into the game and and you see him get more consistent minutes. Yeah, no, um, he's he's been very impressive and uh, kind of a surprise. By the way, I think he's if I'm not wrong, uh, I'm gonna screw up his name. I know I am. I'm trying to think. I'm uh, Utah. No, never mind. Um, but I think he's the first player from japan no like he's the he's the first official player that was trained in japan uh born in japan and and i think he, he did he did played in the ncaa but for the most part he spent his entire career before making it to america in japan yeah he's definitely one of them I, there's another one uh roy hachimara i think also yeah. i think he plays for washington so it was one of those guys but yeah definitely an underrated player and um has done some great things for for his home country um coming into the nba and, and excelling at his position the uh the schedule the next three games for the toronto raptors they're taking on the miami heat at the time of this recording uh in about 15 minutes actually uh and then we'll do sort of a back-to-back with them as they play friday at 7 30 p.m against the heat again and then on sunday at one we'll take on the indiana pacers Overall, I'm kind of excited for these games. Miami, um, Tyler Hero looks like he's been playing great. Kelly Olenek has been solid. Uh, and overall, they've been playing some okay ball, just not on the winning side of things. Obviously, uh, I think they have a, a few players out right now due to COVID, but still should be fun to watch nonetheless. A team, both teams love to hit threes. And then Indiana has uh, just been doing Indiana, and they've been playing solid for the first uh, couple weeks of the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's going to be exciting to, to see them go up against the defending NBA finalists and, and also the new look Indiana Pacers with uh, Karis LeVert uh, coming in for Oladipo after that big trade. 
So the final thing that we'll talk about today, and this was one thing that we talked about, and this is more, I think, uh, just from the business side of things, if you're a fan of it. Uh, but on my Twitter, I did a poll uh, at the Breadlock asking, uh, which MLSC team are you supporting tonight? Is it the Toronto Maple Leafs? Is it the Toronto Raptors? Or are you channel flipping? And this had to do with uh, last Monday, which would have been uh, January 18th. And majority of votes was for the Toronto Raptors. I think it was at 59% said Toronto Raptors, 26% was Toronto Maple Leafs, and then 13% was uh, just kind of channel flipping between the two. We've always known that the Toronto Maple Leafs have, has been Toronto sports team. You go anywhere, you'd see Toronto merchandise. Now, the last, I'd say, five years, it's really flipped around to being the Toronto Raptors. And I know the poll I did was a very small sample size. It only had 17 votes altogether. So, again, very small sample size. But do you think it's safe to say that the Toronto Raptors is officially Toronto's team with its fan base? Like, obviously, the Blue Jays, they're, they have a huge following here as well. But that's more of, of the summer. But in terms of winter sports, the Toronto Raptors... They're, I feel like they're more popular now than the Maple Leafs. People would be more willing to go to a Raptors game than they would the Maple Leafs. Until the Toronto Maple Leafs win a Stanley Cup, it will be the Toronto Raptors city. That's my that's my say on the whole thing. With Raptors winning uh, the Larry O'Brien Trophy, that solidified them as Toronto's team. And ever since then, they're they they've been. They've been the six. That's that's Toronto's team. They've taken great pride in it. The city's taking great pride in them. And um, yeah, I, I mean, the, I'm I'm really hoping the Leafs win soon, at least before my lifetime ends. But yeah, it's 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 Raptor City. It's it's Jurassic Park. A little joke about uh, off air between the two of us, but I have kind of been on. Uh, what did you call it? It was like a hockey celibacy. Where I'm just trying, <laughs> honestly, I, on a personal note, I have been so upset by the Leafs that when they kind of returned to the bubble for the playoffs and they lost in five games to Columbus, and just the effort I saw put in by the entire team, I have never been less of a fan of the Maple Leafs in my life. Obviously, we'll still talk about them here because, like, like I'll still watch even though I'm trying not to, but I have literally watched every Toronto Raptors game this season. Uh, except for, I think, the two that were uh, the late night starts. But I just, I don't know, if you were to ask me, I would rather watch the Raptors lose by 30 than watch the Maple Leafs, like, win by one. Like, that's 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 where I'm at right now with with, uh, with Toronto sports. I just, I, I only care about the Raptors now. My entire room is just filled with uh, Raptors stuff. I nearly burned, I bought an Austin Matthews jersey and I nearly burned it. But I thought better of it, and I gave it gave it to my dad, which he's he loved it. Thank God. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think really this city, it's just happy to have a winner after years of letdown from the uh, the Maple Leafs and the Raptors won for the first like twenty years of their their life. Really, really rough. Not really having too much luck with uh, with playoffs or anything. But yeah, this is for sure is is a I feel like a basketball city now. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, well, we'll end it there today on that very weird rant of mine. Jane, do you want to plug your socials quick? <laughs> yeah, you can uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jaden G. Jones and on Instagram at underscore Jaden G. Jones. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Brett Black. 
As well, keep an eye out on Twitter as we will be bringing back our Twitter feed and uh, hopefully doing some cool things like that. That should be coming back in uh, the next couple of weeks. Other than that, have a wonderful week and we'll talk some more Toronto sports in uh, about a week's time. Take care, stay safe, and love you all.